Welcome back to We Have the Numbers. So we've been watching Challenge Twitter and Challenge Instagram over the past few weeks, and both platforms have just been ablaze with complaints about episodes ending in cliffhangers, not enough action, and just overall too much fluffy drama. And today, we essentially got the NFL. So we had a classic physical episode with not one, but two male eliminations. Challenge Twitter, are you happy now? And even better, guys, we found Kyle. Woo! Woo! Unbelievable. Uh, hi, Kyle. Hey, Kyle. Milk cartons fa- worked. The milk cartons worked. The milk cartons worked. We put Thank him God. on a milk carton at We Have the Numbers Pod on Instagram. We can now take him off the milk carton because Kyle is here. This is his first episode of the season with any coverage, and he had a lot of coverage. So it's great to have Kyle back in our lives. And we have some changes to We Have the Numbers this week. So we are making the sad but conscious decision to spare you our fantasy updates, but we encourage you to go check those out. Uh, look at the latest scores on our Instagram. And speaking of our Instagram, one more time, our memes have been on absolute heaters lately. So shout out to you guys, our army of 30-year-old meme creators, for drawing some of the biggest castmates to our content. Special thanks, not to brag, to Rogan for putting us in his story today. You may have seen it, just a small liberal arts cast member uh, in the bunker in the Czech Republic. So we love you, Rogan. Thanks, thanks for the love. If, if you want a fantasy update... I, if you can send a message to at we have the numbers on Instagram and I will record one personally for you, please don't do that. Yeah. And uh, spoiler alert, I'm winning. <laughs> uh, okay. That's Pat's weekly update that he's winning. He, that his luck may run out soon. And one final sure. reminder while we have you guys, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you haven't already. We've seen some really cool growth over the past week and we really just appreciate everybody tuning in. So enough about us. We'll get into the podcast, or sorry, get into the episode now. So we really started with a bang. We started with uh, with a challenge. It's called decontamination, and we get this really cool aerial shot of what looks like a war war torn Soviet building. There's definitely some radiation in those walls, and we see a bunch of foam and some hazmat suits in this closed off room. So. Trevor, coming straight to you out of the gates, quickly talk us through the history of this structure, which probably saw some shit before it played host to a phone party for adults. Yeah, yeah. So my my first grade class actually took the the metro to this facility for a, a school trip. And before the Soviets owned it, it actually has some interesting history when the Nazis took over uh, at that point, I guess, Czechoslovakia. Um, this was the one site where monks and nuns were allowed to gather on Sundays uh, and perform rituals freely. And that actually evolved into foam parties. Uh, and the monks and then and the nuns would, would it, it led to some, some coitus uh, and a break off from the Catholic faith. And that's actually how Episcopalians uh, came into existence. So a lot of history there. And I think the show was, was pretty respectful of that. But coitus between uh, between monks and nuns is is definitely something that you could really only get from from the challenge. Uh, quite the evolution into Episcopalianism there, but yeah, uh, I'm glad that all of us got to be part of that history. So back to decontamination, which just feels like the natural evolution from uh, you know being Episcopalians uh, into the current day. And the challenge is actually pretty simple. You have this big foam, a room filled with foam. These guys are in hazmat suits. They need to walk through all of the foam to a back wall where there's a flashing sequence of colors. So lights are flashing uh, and their job is to then memorize all of the colors in order and come back to long poles and stack colored discs that really correspond uh, to each of the lights that they saw. So we see a variety of different strategies. We see some players deciding to team up and each of them memorize, you know, five or six of the colors as they flash and come back and work together. We see other people like Jordan and Wes really go at it by themselves, not wanting to team up or not being invited to be part of an alliance for the challenge. Uh, And then we see Nelson who... You know, Nelson, not a noted puzzle guy, not a big memorization guy, doesn't love using his brain. He goes in and just gets stuck in the foam for what seems like minutes. And Bananas even says they need to go in there and make sure he's okay in the foam, which was just a hilarious and perfect line for Nelson. But what Nelson is trying to do, which is actually somewhat brilliant, is he's waiting for everyone else to put down the first stack of colors. And he's just trying to remember the last five so he can go match them and finish really quickly. 
of course he's not able to do that. Uh, and then, which is of course is classic Nelson. And then Bananas tries something very similar, except what Bananas is doing is he actually notices that if he looks to the side of the foam room, he can see the colors flashing. So, you know, it's just a really weird cheat code. And, you know, uh, when it comes to the end of the challenge, we don't really need to, to go into many details. Uh, TJ says that he's going to pick, you know, one guy, one girl. They're each going to pick a, a third person to come in with them. And Wes, who didn't have the advantage of cheating, he wins for the men. Maddie wins for the women. And then they decide to pick bananas. So, Cindy, I was a little disappointed that the set for this challenge was built so poorly with such a ridiculous advantage that Bananas could just look to the side and copy the sequence. But he didn't even win. It, how is this possible? Is Wes a savant? I'm, I'm super confused how Bananas didn't come away victorious. Yeah, I actually agree with you on this. I also, I'm just as confused as you are. I went through this a couple times to try and figure out how it's possible that Wes pulled this off. Because if you think about the challenge, Wes would have had to run into that room of bubbles. Very clearly cannot run as fast as possible because it's got to be slippery as hell. And then run back out and stack those things, whereas Bananas is just standing there watching a light and stacking them. So, I mean, maybe it took him a little bit to realize he could see the lights off to the side and we just didn't see that part, but I don't know. I really can't figure this one out. I was just going to say, Nelson trying to cheat and failing is just so perfect. Like, is he not the guy in school that is cheating and gets caught or cheats but is one bubble off and fills them all out wrong? I think he was following Rogan, who finished first in their heat, and TJ was like, no, that's, that's not right. So that, and then Fessy finished for first in that one, obviously, because, you know, everybody else is wrong. It, it was amazing because we see Nelson just in the room choking on bubbles. But his strategy was actually pretty brilliant. Like, if, if we didn't know that you could cheat, I think that was the, the, the best tactic that we saw. But anyway, it failed for Nelson. Now, what I don't want to gloss over are two very important details here. The first is that TJ tells us at the very beginning of this challenge that, guys, I don't have enough guys in my final. And that means it's a double elimination day. So it's a huge deal, which means that two guys are going home after this elimination, which at the time, we don't know if it's in this episode or not. Our money was on that it would not be given history of the season. Uh, we find out that that is not the case. And we are given two eliminations in one episode, which is fantastic. But that's certainly notable and uh, you know, makes the stakes a lot higher. And the second part is, like I said, Wes and Maddie decide to pick bananas and Wes makes a big scene uh, out, of, out of picking bananas uh, to be his partner. And I think what's you know, really interesting here is that they've had this kind of secret alliance where they do joint confessionals together. They've been talking about it on social media, but this is the first time that they really come out and make it extremely clear that they're up to something. And we see a few confessionals from people like Anissa confirming just that. So it's really a lot of power uh, for these two guys, especially essentially getting to, to dictate the futures of, of two men in a house with a lot of really strong guys. So we know that something exciting is brewing, but um, before we get to the house vote and the tribunal, I, I just don't want to go away from the foam because it was too hilarious. And the bubbles got all of us thinking about foam parties when we saw them in the ads leading up to today. And then Bananas confirmed uh, you know, the similar thought about foam parties by saying that he was the spring break for many years. He invented the foam party. We're not going to fact check him. That probably makes sense. But what we do know about foam parties is that nothing good happens there. Absolutely nothing. Especially now that we're in the coronavirus era, looking back on those, you're inside a literal Petri dish. So the floor, the walls, the air, they're just foul. Absolutely foul. Nelson could call those foul and we wouldn't be offended. They're disgusting. They smell. One of my buddies in college, one of the nicest, smartest people I've ever met, got a public nuisance ticket for being deep in the woods uh, and, and peeing deep in the woods outside of a foam party. Not really have anything to do with the foam, but I'm, you know, particularly anti-foam parties because of that. So Zach, can I, I cut you off real quick? Yeah. Did you say public nuisance? Public nuisance. He did not what get a public What kind of California urination. shit is that? Yeah, that's hey. California as fuck. Hey man, I don't want to. I don't want to throw Stanford under the bus or, or, or you know, do some sort of humble brag here. But they're really looking for reasons to give tickets out at that school, and I guess someone peeing on the tree is severe enough to get a public nuisance. Uh, so anyway, back to phone parties. The most important thing here is they're destructive. 
So they just absolutely ruin any home that they're in uh, without extremely good planning. And phone parties never have extremely good planning. So anyway, with all of that buildup, when I say go, I want each one of you to tell me which current cast member is most likely to volunteer their house for the internal destruction that is a phone party. Justin, let's start with you. Yeah, so I've, I'm pretty sure almost everybody in the bunker right now would go to a phone party. Like, they're, they're ready for it. So my first criteria is that you would want to go, which does not exclude anybody. Maybe Anissa, who's probably, like, fed up with that shit already. And the second criteria is you need somebody who doesn't really understand the consequences of the foam party and would just, it would be suckered into it. So based on that, I think I'm going to pick Kayla because she definitely wants to attend one. And I think that she could be pressured in to hosting one probably by bananas and Wes by just them to like talking pretty fast and like playing fast and loose with the rules. And then she's just going to have to sit there and deal with the consequences after her entire house is destroyed. She would also get some really good Instagram photos within the phone, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And we know that's that. a really, really big part of Kayla's brand is getting Instagram photos. Cindy, can you top Kayla? Kayla must be the queen of phone parties because I was going to give her and Bear one last fling before Bear has to leave. I'm going to continue to call him a current cast member until after this episode. Um, but I thought they were deserving of one last bubble party. And I had to have them as co-hosts because I think also that Kayla could be pressured into it, but she's not quite crazy enough to like give up her house and want to like host it by herself. I think she would make sure her friends have a good time. Um, but Bear's definitely crazy enough to not care if people or bubbles destroy his entire house. And after seeing his Instagram story today, we also know that he seems to have made friends with some some cops. So that might bode well for him if he's going to go ahead and throw a rager at his house. Yeah, we we try to avoid some of the tabloid stuff on this podcast. We think that's covered in, in detail by a lot of other uh, challenged fans. But Bear definitely had a bit of a, of a troubling Instagram story today that did involve law enforcement. Uh, and to our best knowledge, based on what he was saying, it did not have to do with the phone party that he threw inside of his home. So uh, th- thoughts, thoughts out to Bear, but I think Bear and Kayla's co-host would be a pretty fun and messy phone party. Pat, who do you got as your phone party host? So my thought actually went to Fessy. Uh, I have accidentally uh, stumbled upon a Chattanooga house party uh, and it was lit and weird and unclean. So that seems like all of the criteria. Uh, I'm actually going to go with Nani, though, because it seems like once you get her drunk, you could talk her into pretty much anything. And a little bit of foam is not going to scare her. So I feel like uh, that's all the ingredients for a foam party and her uh, one-bedroom apartment. <laughs> wow. Shot, shot, shots fired on the, on the living space. I just want to remind yeah. you that Nani's been around for a long time and has met a lot, or, uh, probably earned a lot of promotional checks over the years, potentially even from phone parties at clubs. Also, one-bedroom apartments are fine, Patrick. Yeah. Look, I, I have two right now, so. You have one. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> okay. All right, Tre- Trevor, round yeah. us out with yeah. your phone party e- e- Easy there, Pat, with the talker into anything. So this will come as no surprise that uh, with my broken brain, I'm going to break the rules here again. There is one cast member here that is going to volunteer your house for a phone party here. And it's, you know, you're throwing that first floor house party. It could be at your, you know, random state school college. In this case, it's going to be Penn State. And the bathroom everyone's supposed to use is in the basement. Well, this person sees that bucket of Tide and your washing machine and just cranks it on high and lets the foam submerge from the basement up to your first floor. It's bananas. And he's so alpha. You're not going to kick him out of the party. You're just going to go with it. He turned your house into a, into a foam party. Um, I'm really glad one person said bananas. I imagine the, you know, those of you were trying to avoid it because of his quote, which I, which I really value went outside of the box, but you know, bananas saying he invented the phone party, honestly, may be true. He went to Penn state. Like Trevor said, I remember I'm old enough to remember when we saw his audition tape for the real world. This is the type of dude that would do exactly what 
Trevor described, and he would do that right now. So he hasn't changed much over the last 16 years. This is the guy that's cranking up the tide. He may be daring some people in the house to drink some of the tide, to lick yeah. the bubbles. He's a, he's a crazy foam party guy. So I think all of those answers are, are really good fits for the foam party. So, uh, you know, speaking of foam parties, we leave the, the nu- former nun and monk coitus home of a foam party and we come back to the house and are ready for the house vote. And Nelson, who's been a target simply because he's been an asshole to almost everybody in the house, says he wants to, and I'm using air quotes here, politic, and then again tries to apologize his way out of being voted in. And the, we get to the house vote and Fessy gets voted in first. Um, I guess because he's a prospect, and we'll come back to that in a second, he says, hey, guys, if you vote me in, there's a really good chance I come back. And we're all kind of just nodding our heads because Fessy, again, former D1 football player, is just an absolute beast. He's probably coming back in, especially if it's something physical. And then it goes for, for the second round, and it goes to Nelson. And Kyle's the first person to call him out and say that, hey, you know, Nelson, you said, you promised that, if I didn't vote you in, that you wouldn't vote me in. But then I heard that you said that to everybody else. And then the editors give us this beautiful montage of Nelson uh, promising every single person in the house, almost every single guy and a few, and a few of the girls to, to not vote them in. And they're just like, dude, you are an absolute idiot because there's a different thing between an alliance and a million empty promises, which is what, what Nelson does. And Nelson gets really upset at Kyle for spilling the beans first, but to nobody's surprise, Nelson's the other guy voted in, remember, in a double elimination. So, Justin, I want to kind of come back to strategy here. We haven't talked about this in a few weeks, again, with the, the twist of the red skulls in mind and needing to win an elimination in order to run in TJ's final. So, Fessy might be the most physical player left in the house. You can make an argument for Rogan, but it's definitely between the two of them. And he's also proven in some past challenges that he's not a dummy. So why would people go ahead and vote him in, especially in a double elimination when the men especially have a pretty high risk of potentially going in against him? Yeah, so I I don't understand. This is like the most frustrating part of like the challenge strategy that I've seen is that no matter what, rookies always have to prove themselves before they stop getting voted in. So there are two rookies left. There's Fessy and there's SwyDC. SwyDC is not going in with – you know, the amount of politicking that him and Bailey have done, they have like way too big of an alliance at this point that they're just not, Swaggy's not going to be voted in. So Fessy's the only one left. And it seems like a stupid idea for everybody to vote him in because then he's just going to be mad at a bunch of people. And I am honestly like confused why you would just default to a rookie. You should be choosing the weakest player with uh, left that, doesn't have the the ability to screw you in the end. So Fessy can come back and he can, you know, throw himself into a challenge and knock somebody out if it's a physical one. If you throw like, I don't know, just throwing somebody out there, Kyle. And he's not really a threat other than the fact that he could possibly politic, but nobody else, nobody really seems to like him other than a few British people. So I, I don't really get the fact that you're just going to throw in the most giant person in the bunker. Like he is humongous. The second biggest person in the bunker is probably Nelson. And he made him look like a child standing next to him. I don't know why you would even try to get on his bad side. I, I agree with you. And uh, I have another question for you guys. I'm, I'm going off script here and trying to prepare. So I'm not, uh, you know, going completely out of bounds. But one strategy that I've been thinking of too is, hey, if you have a guy like Fessy, who's going to be such a powerhouse in the final, why not just try to blackball him from an elimination altogether? Why not let someone like that in at all? And then, you know, if he doesn't have a red skull by the time it's finale time, uh, he doesn't get to go in. Have you guys thought about that one? Yeah. You have to think that he's going to win one of the challenges and then he's going to throw himself in. That's the only reason you wouldn't do that. And I sort of felt like Wes and Wes and bananas were just saying, I'm not threatened by Corey or, or Kyle really. So why bother? Yeah. yeah. What, what I'm shocked by is nobody buddying up with Fessy. How do you not see that specimen? I mean, we saw it when they were side by side, that was the like, most pristine view that you've seen that that guy is a monster. How have you not gotten him on your alliance? That seems like the obvious play. 
Well, he's yeah, definitely it, proven himself in the challenges too. So yeah, he he looked like Derrick Henry next to Mark Ingram, just like an <laughs> in absolute, that picture, like towering over top of him. There's no way. There's no way that anybody can beat him in a in a physical challenge. So you would obviously we just want to get on its good side, but nobody really cares. It's weird. Yeah. Justin, well, I I smell a meme. By the way, <laughs> just saying. I, I, I do too. L- look at us guys T- talking strategy, no drama, but I have news for you. It's time to go out. We're hitting the check bar. What's it called, Trevor? The hangar. We're going back to the hangar. Of course, got to get some Stella's in, in at the hangar. So we get there and immediately Nelson is super salty. He says, Hey, screw my apologies. I'm done apologizing. You guys threw me and I can't believe it, which is just like the least self-aware thing in the entire world to be upset that you get thrown in after you just, you know, flamed the entire house for the past few weeks unnecessarily. But that's either here nor there. Nelson says Kyle is a rat. And because Kyle, again, was the one who kind of spilled this, I'm again using air quotes, strategy that Nelson had because it wasn't a strategy. It was just making a bunch of empty promises to every person in the house. So one way or another, it was going to come out, uh, whether it was Kyle or somebody else. But anyway, he then says, I've never met a guy who was six foot in the biggest pussy I've ever met, which is like a really, really bad insult. You know, I'm, again, as, as somebody who's of average height, uh, I wouldn't be like, you know, talking to somebody that much bigger than me, who's per, you know, uh, who is in the right here when I have nothing to gain from the situation. But Nelson needs to be a tough guy with his Napoleon complex. Is Kyle six foot? Kyle's like 6'3". Yeah, Nelson isn't good with numbers. We've already established that, Justin. <laughs> this, is, this is not his forte. Anyway. You round down. You, you round down. In, in our case, Justin, we round up. In Kyle's case, we round, round down. down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're yeah. over uh, six feet, you round down. Exactly. So Pat's six foot tall. Exactly. Uh, anyway, so they're doing this like forehead to forehead thing. There's a little bit of a shove. Uh, it's kind of like fake drama. And Pat, I don't want to fluff up your ego anymore as the current uh, leader in the clubhouse of our fantasy league and just somebody who doesn't really need more compliments. But, you know, you allegedly broke up a fight one time when we were out in downtown Orlando, the, the best city of the entire world. So as somebody who's been in the center of a potential bar fight, uh, was this ever at risk of coming to blows? And assuming that it was, who would have won this fight? Yeah, so that did happen, uh, and that is a fault of mine. That's something I really need to get out of my drunk repertoire. Not a good idea. Great way to get punched in the face, which literally happened to me at a Blackhawks game. Not a great way to go. So um, here's the thing. That, that wasn't close. That, it, that was clearly late in the night. Uh, Anissa had her coat on. She was ready to go. But it wasn't that late in the night that they were not aware of what was about to happen. They were looking for each other to punch them in the face. They're putting their face forward. Uh, they know they still knew the rule of no punching. Uh, so I, I would say that wouldn't have been worried breaking up that fight. Uh, wouldn't have been an issue. However, if I had to pick a winner in that fight, I'd say Nelson. I really don't think Kyle has it at this point. And maybe he'll prove me wrong. I'm sorry, Kyle. I put you on put you on a milk carton earlier this week. You proved me wrong, but uh, I, I, I'd take Nelson. Yeah, it's a, I think it would actually be a pretty good fight. I think we're counting out Kyle, and the reason I think we're counting him out is he did not back down from Nelson even for one second. Like He put his forehead forward. That's a dude who has definitely been in a bar fight and thrown a punch, and Kyle is one of those irrational confidence guys. I'm not disagreeing with you that he may lose the fight, but he's not going to not fight. Right. Like he's, he's going to be in there. He's going to get dirty. And I would love to see that. But, you know, it wasn't the two of these meatheads going head to head. That was the highlight for me. It was Melissa chirping. Melissa completely out of the blue, uh, who apparently has an alliance with Kyle because they both have really great accents. She starts defending Kyle. She calls Nelson a pussy. She says, hey, buddy, like, I have no idea, you know, wh- why you're doing this. You're a moron. And then she says, go back on Dr. Phil, you waste of space. And I was like, go back on Dr. Phil? Did I hear her correctly? So I had to Google this quickly. You know, I'm not like an obsessive fan. I love the challenge of watching it, but I'm not like deep on the internet and certainly not deep on Dr. Phil. And Nelson happened to be on Dr. Phil for relationship advice. So Trevor, uh, two questions. How savage is Melissa? 
And how much does Nelson's current behavior expose Dr. Phil's lack of qualifications as a fake doctor? First things first, Zach, you need to get your life together. Okay. Um, no, I had no idea Dr. Phil was a global phenomenon. I cannot believe Melissa even knows who that is. But I, as someone who's only watched one season of The Challenge before that, I feel like I don't know Melissa. And this moment made me want to get to know Melissa. Like, I'm a Maddie stan. I'm a D stan. Everybody knows that. But like, I was like, Melissa, you truly are savage. I feel like Dr. Phil is one of those characters that, you know, anyone with sort of half of a brain doesn't believe shit that comes out of his mouth. He seems like someone that could say something so simple to Nelson that it would just blow Nelson's mind. Like, Nelson, listen to others. And he would just, you know, maybe start crying the whole way home in his <laughs> Nissan. He's just like thinking about it over and over again, how profound it is. So I think maybe it exposes it to us. But I mean, the word of Dr. Phil is the word of, the word of God to Nelson as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that, that's his like literal doctor. Like Nelson's the kind of guy who like still sees his pediatrician. Yeah, and Doctor Phil was like, yeah, Doctor Phil, Doctor Phil was his like first adult doctor. Yeah, so for sure. We leave the bar. No punches are thrown. The winner in all of this is Melissa, and then we have this really brief stint where Big T of all people is just hammered and wilding out in the bedroom in her top bunk. She's all over the place and ends up slicing her foot on a chair and is just freaking out. She's like, please tell me it's okay. They're wrapping it in toilet paper. She's upset because they need more cotton pads, which is like the most innocuous remedy for any injury. She's freaking out as they, they think they need to take her to the hospital for a few stitches. She says, is my foot gonna fall off? I mean, she's melting down. And then we see a confessional from Big T. And Cindy, this is like the third episode in a row where we see a confessional where a now sober castmate is reflecting on a really drunk scene. Uh, we, we think about Nani from last week with her, with her cup of noodles. But anyway, this now sober castmate is talking about their feelings as if their number one feeling in this situation is it, quote, I was blackout drunk. So don't you wish all of us could do that the next morning after whatever it was we got into uh, a night after a night of drinking? That would be amazing. I mean, I try to convince myself that it was something other than just being stupid drunk, but we all know the truth and that it just had too much alcohol and did stupid shit. But I guess my question is, what is the point of this? Why are they like in denial of just having too much to drink? I feel like it's less shameful to just be like, yeah, we got stupid, had too much to drink at the bar and I sliced my toe open than to be like, oh yeah, I've, you know, got this really terrible past and I don't know. I don't, I don't understand why they wouldn't just say, I got, I had way too much to drink. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know, sometimes I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe the challenge and the editors are trying to minimize the amount of alcohol that they're pumping in and try to keep this somewhat PG, but that's obviously not, not the case in any, in any possible way. Well, uh, I was thinking about other MTV shows too. Cause I thought the same thing. I'm like, maybe the producers like thinking of their audience just don't want to like glorify drinking like this. But if you look at Florida, shore or like Jersey shore, any of those stupid shows, like, it's all about drinking and being stupid. Yeah. And then the, the best part too is uh, she gets back from the hospital. Big T needed three stitches on her foot. So and this was and crutches. <laughs> and crutches for her three stitches. Justin, I'm not even going to let you speak on this as somebody with an actual injury who needs <laughs> crutches to even, get up. She wasn't even doing, she wasn't crutching correctly. She no. looked like she's going to fall over at any moment. She's the big three now, not the big T. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. I like They've been it. Calling her the big toe on on uh, Twitter. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, I'm sure we could do this for ten minutes. We probably will do this for ten minutes later, as we love the name game. Uh, but I can't let Justin get in for those of you who don't know, because he is uh, currently rehabbing from a torn patellar injury. Uh, thoughts and prayers to Justin on his recovery. His mobility is looking great, even if his quad is not at the current moment. But anyway, we'll get past the, the crutches and Big T's mild injury. The tribunal is actually pretty anticlimactic. We have, again, Maddie, Wes, and Bananas. And they have a lot of really strong guys and Josh to choose from. And they eventually end up choosing Bear, Kyle, Jordan, and Corey, which is really murderer's row of, of people to choose. And then it's 8 p.m., and the 
the elimination alarm sounds. And we're like, oh my God, guys, we might actually get an elimination this episode. We might actually, and we may even get two. So we're really excited. And then our excitement reaches another level because we see that it's pole wrestling, which is an all-time physical challenge classic. It's one of our favorites. And to sum it up very quickly, there's a pole, there's two people holding on to the pole, and the first person to wrestle that pole away from their opponent twice out of three times wins. So it's a purely physical battle, and, and we're really excited to witness it. So, Justin, uh, you know, we have Fessy and we have Nelson who are already in, and they're going to be in two separate uh, two separate matches of this. So with those other four guys, again, Bear, Kyle, Jordan, and Corey, going into this, who were your two dream matchups? Uh, and what did you think was actually going to happen as far as Wes and Banana's choices? I mean, out of those, like, nobody's going to beat Fessy out of those four guys, I don't think. So if I were to like level up one person, it would probably be Corey. But I really want to see Corey and Nelson go at each other in an elimination where they actually know what they're doing. The last time we saw them was the first week in Vendettas, and they were doing this the stupid like flaming soccer ball <laughs> count elimination where it took them 45 minutes to even hit the ball near the goal. So I'd love to see them actually do something physical against each other because they're basically the same size, which would be awesome. I, I think they could really get at it. But I don't think – anybody could have and out of that foursome could have given Corey or given Fessy a single shot other than Corey and even him I just don't see it so like I would have rather them thrown in Rogan and try and see Rogan versus Fessy because I think those two are the two strongest dudes in the house and that would have been incredible but that apparently they don't care enough to even try and throw in Rogan yeah, I think uh, everybody, uh, you know, Rogan's put the fear of God in everybody after we saw what he did to Jay, which again is a pretty, like the most unfair matchup in, in the whole house. But yeah, I agree with you that there really isn't a great matchup for Fessy besides Rogan, which speaks a lot to Fessy because again, the, the names on that list are names that we've seen compete really hard in eliminations and in challenges. And, you know, uh, as Bananas and Wes are given the option to go in and they're saying, you know, Bananas, he just says Bananas or Wes, would either one of you like to go in and face Fessy? And Bananas says, that's a hard MF and no for me. We all felt that. I was just like, yep, like, absolutely. That is the last guy I want to go into this against. And, you know, going back to this again, Fessy's a D1 football player, a former D1 football player. And that's just a different species of person. They have crazy motivation and strength. And man, he's a, he's a tough guy to, to see. And then, of course, we see that Bananas and Wes, who hate Jordan, a guy who is a fierce competitor but doesn't have a hand, they say, hmm, this would be a wonderful person to go in against Fessy. So the two of them decide to vote Jordan in against Fessy. And then they decide to vote Bear in uh, against Nelson and Kayla and Bear are both very upset because their romance, which has been, you know, reinvigorated on this episode, uh, it's it's now at risk. So, first one is Jordan against Fessy, which I don't know if there was really a main event because both of these were good, but it's certainly the one that was more interesting to us. And you guys have already articulated it well. Fessy just looks like an absolute giant compared to him, and the first round goes, and Fessy steals it immediately. And then after the second round, uh, they're wrestling and Jordan's putting up a decent fight and they kind of both go out of bounds and Fessy lands with all of his like many, many pounds onto Jordan's shoulder. And Jordan can barely lift his arm up to grab the bar uh, to, to do a do-over of, of the second round. And Fessy again is able to take it relatively easily. And we see Jordan go back to the medics and he has a separated shoulder. He's in a ton of pain. And then he's eliminated and he gives this very tearful confessional about his disability. And it's pretty intense. Like Jordan, Jordan is crying and he says, anyone with a disability, I want you to give it your all. And then Wes, of course, Wes's and says, I feel a little bad, but Jordan is a horrible person and I'm so happy he went home. So Trevor, I'm, I'm battling mixed emotions here. We have this guy who literally does not have a hand going against the strongest and biggest person in the house, giving it his all suffering a pretty serious injury. And then we have Wes reminding us that, you know, Jordan's kind of a piece of shit to a lot of people. So how should we process this emotionally? 
not a a Jordan fan by any means. What he does with his situation, uh, it's even it's hard to call it a disability with how capable he is, is incredible. Um, my sort of stance on this is Wes had guns out for Jordan to begin with. And if he didn't put him in the challenge because it's, I mean, frankly, it was unfair. I don't think Jordan is such a competitor. I honestly don't think Jordan would forgive that. Like Jordan wants no excuses. He doesn't want to say, I mean, this is obviously in my opinion, I obviously once, one season, the challenge under my belt, I don't think that this particular elimination has a lot of strategy involved, which is Jordan's sweet spot. So regardless, it's, you know, he thrives on strategy and endurance. So it's not his best challenge. And then with it, with, with having one hand, I mean, it's, it's literally impossible, but he doesn't want anyone to make excuses for him. So I still think it was the right move by Johnny and, and Wes, like they, they were gunning for Wes to begin with, I think, regardless of the challenge um, or the elimination. So I think it's the right move. I think it feels strange, but I don't think Jordan would have it another way. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Jordan really dug his hole with those two and has for for a few seasons now, like you said. And, uh, you know, I think Jordan was definitely, you know, trying to feign some confidence there, but was definitely thought he was at a disadvantage, which he was. And you kind of see that look in Fessy's eyes too, where almost every other person in that house, even potentially Rogan, would have been a little worried about going against Jordan for the exact reason you said that he's so strategic and he's so confident and is really so dominant in those eliminations. Fessy did not give a shit. He was like, you're going to put this little guy without a hand against me. It's, it's really over before it started. And yeah, Fessy's Fessy's a beast. So he gets a red skull, Jordan's gone, but then we have the second elimination and it's Nelson against bear. Bear says he feels blindsided. He's really sad that he may have to go home and can't be with his love, Kayla, anymore. And I was thinking in my head, the the producers could not possibly have found a better challenge for Nelson, who can't do anything that involves any bit of intelligence. And this one is purely wrestling bar away from man. It is as simple as it gets. And, you know, they're playing corn. We're turned up. It's like NFL Sunday. Like we're ready to go. We're just like head banging. And Nelson gets leverage on both of the first two rounds and wins pretty easily. So Nelson, of all people, gets a red skull as well to join Fessy and Bear joins Jordan on the way out. So Pat, I think the final question comes to you. Um, we were all really excited for this double elimination, especially double physical male elimination. But you know, we lost two really dominant characters in the challenge franchise. So how much of a loss is it for the season to have both Jordan and bear eliminated on the same day? Yeah. I mean, I, it hurts. It hurts for sure. Those guys were content factories. They were so great. Uh, bear is the funniest person I've ever seen on TV. That guy is so good. How, how can you not love anything that comes out of his mouth? I laugh every single time. And Jordan, I mean, respect him on the challenge, and he's a psychopath. He will get it done. So it, it, was, a, it was a loss for the show for sure. Um, I will say not having to do the Bear-Kayla romance anymore I, I prefer that. I hated every minute of that, and I'm I'm pretty happy about that. But otherwise, it, it was a loss for sure. Yeah, and it's weird living in this uh, this reality where we know that Kayla has a boyfriend again, and it's not her boyfriend before the show, and it's not Bear, but it's a new boyfriend that we've clearly seen her with a lot as the show has been airing, uh, and then also watching the romance on the show at the same time, but current boyfriend and ex-boyfriend are probably both very relieved that Bear was sent packing because he's probably given both of them hell. And as Cindy brought up earlier, it seems that karma has bitten poor Bear in his little bear bottom in that he has having some relationship troubles of his own at home in which the police have been involved. So we don't want to step into that. It's a little too messy. But anyway, you know, the episode itself, uh, we all kind of thought had its highs and had had its lows a lot of action, very much game focused and strategy focused, which was a nice change. But, you know, we got to be careful what we wish for. And that sometimes when you have these, you know, elimination focused episodes, you lose some, some pretty exciting characters. So we bid them adieu. We're really excited to see Jordan and Bear back on future seasons and we'll miss them dearly. 
But I think before it's gonna we change, oh. I think it's going to change the focus of like who's starred in the in the future episodes. So like Bananas and Wes have already been they, they've been like the focal point from an alliance standpoint. But I think going forward, each episode they're going to be in charge of all of these episodes. They they knocked out an entire alliance with Jordan and Tori, and then uh, and Bear, who was an entire subplot who would take over episodes at a time, is not there anymore. So I think I think both Bananas and Wes are going to be huge. In the the rest of the what like whatever ten to you know forty two weeks that are left of the challenge, <laughs> and Kyle, don't forget Kyle. And Kyle, Kyle obviously, yeah, yeah. Kyle, you Maybe, can't stop. He's me. back. He's back. He's back. He's he's definitely back. That that's a really good point too. In that, uh, the dynamics of the house have certainly shifted. Without you know, Bear's not a huge politicking guy. He's more there for the fun and the drinks and for for Kayla and the ladies. But certainly Jordan being removed the week after Tori, nonetheless. So J- Jordan and Tori. Going back to back weeks, none of us expected that. Uh, you know, really intense developments. And, you know, Justin, you just mentioned certainly Wes and Bananas are getting in their way. They're two stars of the episode, but we like to close each of our own episodes if we have the numbers by going through our personal stars. And, uh, Cindy, I'd love to start with you. You always have really wonderful stars of the episode. Let's hear who you got today. So I think this week we need to give it up to Cotton Pads because it seems that if it weren't for Cotton Pads, Big T might not have a toe anymore. And also, I've only ever seen these used for nightly removal of all of my makeup, but they seem to hint at a very terrible medical emergency in England because when Big T needed more Cotton Pads, I have never seen fear so much on someone's face. Cotton pads definitely made a, a big appearance. And man, I don't know what her, her previous trauma with cotton pads is. That's probably like the most benign, harmless, soft thing I could possibly envision. But Big T was looking at it like they were about to cut off her toe with the hacksaw. So yeah, that was, that was an unexpected, but again, very drunk reaction. Trevor, who were your stars? Yeah. Um, so, so I have two stars. They're both related to, to Nelson. Um, I just feel like he, he's, he's such a character this season. So Nelson's curls, I literally think they're the most beautiful things in the world. I was texting you guys about this during the episode. The way they were just peeking out from under his beanie, they were so perfectly curled, so tight and black. Like, I know there's been a million memes about Justin Timberlake with his ramen hair back in the nineties, but these were just next level. I mean, it's, it's like Michael Jackson is, is channeling him from the grave with these Sherry curls. And then my second start of the episode is Nelson's figurative shovel. He cannot keep digging himself into bigger holes, bigger graves. It just keeps going. It's, I can't explain this man, but his shovel is nonstop. It's, it, it's really amazing. I mean, he, we, we talked about it too, this Nelson apology tour. I'm personally grateful. I know he's on my fantasy team, but I'm excited that we get a little more of the Nelson apology tour because it is so hard to watch. And it is such a train wreck week after week. The guy, you know, he takes one step forward and he takes 10 steps back and immediately undoes all of the, any like good grace that he's built up from whatever apology he just made. So every time, I like, every time. I like that he's embracing his role as a villain. Now I think he just has to go out guns ablaze and he really cannot afford to try to keep politicking because he is legendarily bad at politicking in the house. Justin, who are your stars? Yeah. So I have two. The first one, I want to take you back to 10 year old JB. We I'm playing games on our family compact computer it's the the navy model they have the the colored uh frame for colored uh different uh i don't know different frames that go over top of the both the the modem and the the desktop the actual monitor and uh we're following you we're following you not an yeah, it who, oh, who's old now justin yeah I'm 90 old. swag okay we are both now. old Patrick. Easy there, Alien Wire. So the game I would play was Command and Conquer. It's a Cold War era video game where you, you'd have to play the US versus Soviet. You could switch sides. And one of my favorite things to do was to play as the Soviets. And one of their primary weaponry was the V2 rockets. And they're they're not they're not a big artillery vehicle. It only takes a couple of hits to get rid of them, but they have long distance. They have a, they pack a punch. 
And any time the challenge wants to set the ambiance for this season, they cut to the V2 rocket that is just chilling outside the bunker for some reason that I don't really understand. But every time I see it, it's been every single episode. I love it. It, it, it just like brings me right back to me waking up. This is true. I woke up at 6 a.m. before school to play this game for an hour and a half before I would head off to school. I feel like this is information I should have had before we got married. (laughs) (laughs) My second star of the episode is less nerdy. So at the elimination, everybody's always bundled up. They have to wear a bunch of coats. It's usually raining. It's like the worst possible environment. And Maddie shows up in this trench coat level fur coat that she couldn't possibly button, could not even care to button at all. With a tank top that's showing the midriff, she doesn't give a shit what temperature it is. She is stunting on people, and she does not care. And I'm honestly intimidated. She's just knocking our socks off with that shit. So I I have two comments to make to this. First is that a 10-year-old playing with missiles is exactly why you know moms against violent video games or whatever that group is exists i'm really worried about 10 year olds out there engaging in like literally world warfare and i'm just really playing as soviets and yes supporting communism that's fucked up this says this says a lot about justin i we gotta we gotta unpack this after the podcast i'm a little worried about him and then in iowa too in iowa too yeah you never know what they yeah, what, what they grow there. Uh, the, they the grow corn. Thing, <laughs> they grow corn. Which fuels the missiles. Yeah. Fuels the missiles. missiles. Oh, my God. The second thing I want to say is that if you guys haven't picked up on it already, we are the official podcast for Maddie Stans. We love Maddie. Trevor right now, his name on Zoom is Maddie Stan. We love Maddie 100%. Her fashion kills us. Her give no fucks attitude slays us. We love her so much. We follow her on social. Maddie, if you hear this, know that we love you. You you are the absolute best. And we like your strategy of flying under the radar because it means that you will be in our lives for many weeks to come. Pat, who are your stars? Okay. Uh, the first one, a little sentimental. Uh, that Jordan shit struck me, honestly. I mean, they absolutely fucked him by putting him in that challenge. And that guy is a warrior. That is honestly someone to, at least his competition level is something to strive for. He is, I know he's a beast. I just really appreciate that. He had zero chance, especially against Fessy um, in that, in that challenge. He couldn't, they had the lower, uh, like the bar for him to be able to even get a grip of that. That was insane. So Jordan, uh, definite star of the episode there. Uh, much, much respect for that competition. Uh, my second star is Josh. How is Josh still here? Why is Josh still here? He's on my fantasy team. Love you, Josh. You're doing, you're accidentally doing an incredible job. I, he couldn't believe he didn't get voted. He went and looked, turned the corner. The shock was palpable. Anyway. Josh started the episode for existing. You didn't even yeah. mention Josh's best thing in the episode, which was running into the foam room and immediately swallowing all of the bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> still here. Still still here, baby. Let's go. Th- that, was, that was just classic Josh. That, that challenge really exposed Nelson and Josh in a really delightful way. I got a lot of good, good belly laughs out of that. It was really a silly challenge and those guys just never really had it. But Josh saying like, I went into the first thing I did was swallow a bunch of foam. It's like, it's like hey, hey dude, you're probably not supposed to swallow the foam as soon as you go in there. But I think anyway, he still yeah. called it toxic foam too. He and he would be the foam. person to fully believe that that was toxic foam. T- t- toxic foam. So that actually leads nicely into my two stars of the episode. So the first star is Dawn Dish Soap. So when I was younger and I was in fifth grade, I remember watching these commercials of using Dawn dish soap to scrub penguins who have been affected by an oil spill. And that was, a, that was like, a, it was ducks. Ducks. I saw penguins <laughs> yeah. too. Maybe it was ducks. I don't know. A, a it bird. Was it was probably ducks. It was probably a ducks. Ducks. Oil? Oil? Was it, that far south? 
Nah, I've seen I've seen I've seen penguins too. I'm gonna send you the video after it. Let me get my start. <laughs> probably the episode right. Probably right. Yeah, they're scrubbing these birds or these mammals or whatever they are, and they're scrubbing them off, and it's wonderful. And I love I loved the story. And I saw many of these over the years that you know Don does not just clean your plates; it also cleans the animals. But any good brand over the course of 20, 30 years needs to evolve. And I just love that Don has taken the opportunity to evolve from a brand that helps keep families and animals safe to a brand that helps create foam parties for adults in the Czech Republic on a reality TV show. So I don't really know for sure if it was Don or not, but I just assume that it was because I know it's not toxic and I know that those people could not inhale actual toxic fumes. So shout out to the, the Don marketing team. My second star of the episode is Melissa. Melissa has just been you know, has just won over my heart. A few things to remember. Melissa is competing in the season pregnant. This is a pregnant woman on the challenge dealing with whatever she has to deal with, plus all of the shit that goes on in the house. And then she still has her wits about her to just absolutely eviscerate Nelson at the bar. I loved every line she landed. I love her accent. I love her attitude. I love everything about Melissa. And I have no idea how far she'll go. We really don't have any idea how she competes in challenges because she doesn't give a lot of airtime. But special shout out to Melissa and, and a third shout out to my, my boy, Kyle. Nice to see you again. Uh, Melissa, you are, you're fantastic. And I hope to see more of you in episodes to come. So those are my two stars. Yeah, no, that's why I picked Melissa. She, so in the last time I saw her was in Vendettas. And she is an, she's an absolute animal. In, in that season, she weighed probably 85 pounds, and she put up such a fight. She's so feisty and just kind of – she's kind of aggressive. She's, she's super mean when she gets down into it, and she's, like, actually fighting. And she, she can be pretty catty. This is the first time we've seen her. So I'm glad that she's actually coming out because I, I hope we see more of that in the future seasons. Sorry, Zach. I, I'm going to redeem you right now. Is that okay? Yeah. So, so Melissa, love Melissa, but the, I just looked it up. There is a Dawn ad of them washing a penguin using a bottle of Dawn that has a duck on it. It is the most meta moment I've ever seen. But I should never have questioned, questioned Zach. You, you obviously knew. He's a marketer. He's a marketer. Uh, I'm sorry. He's I'm a marketer. Sorry. marketer. Yeah. I, I feel so vindicated. And I'm so thrilled we're able to end this podcast on a high note. So thank you, everybody, again for listening to We Have the Numbers. Uh, please remember, if you haven't already, go on, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. Give us five stars if you enjoy the show. It really helps us a ton. Another reminder to follow us on Instagram at We Have the Numbers Pod. And we're also now on Twitter. Of course, our name is too long to fit on Twitter, which is hand up a really uh, big mistake by the marketer. But you can follow us at WHTN Pod, which stands for We Have the Numbers Pod. We'd love to see you there as well. Thanks again. We'll see you next week.